Hi everyone, welcome to the Turn It Up Marriage Tips Podcast with your host, Kelly Dupay. This podcast is filled with easy to understand and easy to apply tips and tools so that you can have the lifelong marriage that you really want. I hope you're excited because today's episode is really going to help you. Here it is. Hi everyone. Are you or someone you know getting married? Hey, this is Kelly, pastor, police chaplain, author of the book, Turn It Up, How to Have the Lifelong Marriage That You Really Want, and Marriage Coach. And so I'm here today to maybe help you make the best decision of your life or perhaps avoid the worst decision of your life. Because what I want to do is give you 10 questions to ask yourself before you get married. That's our topic today. 10 questions to ask yourself before you get married. One of the things that I do as a marriage coach, in addition to helping couples who are already married, is that I also provide premarital coaching. And I have this um, uh, assessment tool that that uh, the couple goes through, and then we work through it together, and we talk about it, that kind of stuff. And every once in a while, um, there's some red flags that go off inside of me. And and for whatever reason, and sometimes it's very obvious, for other, reason, other times it's not quite as clean or clear but there's just sort of this, mm, I don't know if this is a good move for this couple. Maybe maybe they are meant for each other, um, but maybe they need to reconsider if getting married right now is the right thing for them to do. I've seen some couples where one person is gung-ho, oh man, this is going to be great, and this is the best thing that's going to be, you know, happen to me in my entire life, whereas they're a potential spouse, their bride or their groom is like, yeah, I'm glad you're excited about it. I'm not quite there. Um, I've got some doubts. I've got some concerns. Um, sometimes they're both excited about getting married, but they're ignoring that inner voice inside of them that says, hey, maybe this might not be a good idea. Um, you've heard the phrase that love is blind you know what? That's true. And that's because getting married most of the time is an emotional decision for someone. We look at how we feel. We don't really evaluate the situation that you that you are in in life or the situation your potential husband or wife is in. So I wanted to give you a tool, these 10 questions, um, and what they can be is um, if, if the answers to these show you that maybe this isn't um, the right thing to do, then put the brakes on. Doesn't mean you have to break up. It doesn't mean that the wedding is off, but maybe you just might want to give it some more time before you actually um, you know, do that. And uh, other times, maybe it isn't the right move, the right decision, and you do need to go your separate ways. Or the other thing these 10 questions can do for you is confirm that this is the right decision, that you are on the right track, and this that this is going to be a great move for you in your life. Sometimes we get caught up in wanting so bad, I've met singles who are like this, wanting so bad to be married that it doesn't matter who. That's a scary thought because you don't know who you're going to get. You don't know what your life is going to... And let me assure you, like I say, I've been doing this for over 30 years and over the last um, couple of years really have focused in on helping marriages. And there are a lot of marriages 
that, you know, maybe it would have been a good idea for them not to make that choice. But once you get married, you know, it's till death do us part. I do not believe in divorce for any reason. Well, I should say there are a few reasons that a divorce is appropriate. That's a different topic. Um, but but once you're married, yeah, you need to honor that commitment. You need to, you, you know, you can't just say, well, this didn't work out. I made a mistake. I want out. No, once you're married, you got to stay with it. You've got to continue on and uh, honor that commitment you made. And so you figure out a way to make it work. And that's what I help a lot of couples do. I help them figure out how to make their marriage work. But every now and then, there's conversations that I have before the couple gets married. And um, I'm like, hmm, let's talk about this. Let's look at this. And I can think of at least three or four different couples who went ahead and got married because I'll still do their wedding. If they say, no, we, we really do believe that, that, you know, this is the right thing to do. I'll do their wedding. I'm not going to tell them what to do. That's not my job. Um, and then they'll call me up later and they'll say, Pastor Kelly, I wish I'd have listened to you. I wish I wouldn't have gone through with this. This isn't working out. And so at that point, then it's like, all right, well, then let's figure out how to make it work because you're married and God wants you to stay married. Um, But if you're not married yet, but you want to be, if you're dating somebody or in a committed relationship or you know somebody, you see this um, uh, recording, this video or podcast, however you're listening to this, is definitely the kind of thing that I would encourage you to share with the people that you know in your life that are considering getting married, because I think it'll help them from, like I say, making one of the biggest uh, mistakes of their life, or then confirming that they're about to make the best decision, one of the best decisions of their life. So here are the 10 questions. Uh, Love is blind. We tend to overlook the minor things, and sometimes we overlook the major things because we're thinking emotionally. This is to help you think rationally about your relationship and make a rational decision about whether or not to get married and commit your life to that person. Because marriage is for keeps. Like I say, it is till death do us part the way God wants it to be. And God will bless you um, when you honor that commitment. But a big factor, of course, in having a happy and joyful and fulfilling and satisfying marriage is making sure you're married to a person that's a good fit for you. I don't believe, by the way, that there's only one person. I'm going to get to the 10 questions right now, but let me just say this before I do. I don't believe that there's only one person that's like your soulmate, that, oh, I just need to find that one person and then everything will be beautiful. No, marriage is what you make it, but when you're married to someone who has a lot of things in common with you, as you'll see from this list, then your chances or um, your things that are going to help you be successful in marriage are greatly increased. So that's what I'm talking about here. All right, enough of that. Here are the 10 questions. Number one, can I accept this person as is? So when you think about the person that you're engaged to, um, what you see is what you get. If they are quiet and shy and you're very talkative, guess what? 
for the rest of your life, they're going to keep on being quiet. They're going to keep on being shy. They're going to be that introvert that wants to leave the party early. If you want to leave the party, if you want to stay all night because you love the parties, um, then, you know, can you live with that? Are you able to accept this person as is? Yes, we grow. Yes, we change. But the only person you can change in your marriage and relationship is yourself. So don't think that you can change this person and help them grow right into the into somebody that they're not okay so can you accept this person as is that's question number 1 question number 2 do we have the same values okay do we have the same values and i have 5 f words yeah don't worry it's not the f word but i have 5 f words that you need to think about faith family finances fun, and future, okay? Do we have the same values when it comes to our faith? Um, you know, you, you don't necessarily need to believe the same things or go to the same church, but it, they need to be close. They need to be kind of in alignment. You know, the Bible speaks of two people being unequally yoked, where they're kind of pulling against each other and going two different directions because they're not of the same faith. So having that as a faith foundation, if you're a person of faith, I think is absolutely critical. But then there's family. What do you believe? What are your values of family? You see, if somebody values work more than than family, but you value family more than work, you can see how that's going to produce a lot of friction and a lot of problems. The third one is finances. What do you believe? What do you value about money? Is money something that you're really um, concerned about and, and your life is just consumed with making more money and having more and, and being financially secure? Because you can never have enough. Or is finances something that you use in order to enjoy life? And of course, there's extremes to all of that, but, but having the same kind of attitude and value regarding your finances, I think is really going to be helpful. Then there's fun. What do you enjoy doing? What is the other person? And enjoy doing. And you don't have to once again be exact. You know, like my wife um, will never play golf with me. She has told me that straight out. I love playing golf. She will never go on the golf course. And you know what? I'm glad because <laughs> I don't think I'd have a good time if she was there. Um, so when we go on vacation, she sits by the pool, reads a book. I go and play golf. Um, but I don't do it all the time. I don't do it every day. I don't do it for my whole vacation because that's not what vacation's all about. Anyways, but having an agreement that we like to do a lot of, of the same things together. Um, at this stage in our lives, it's all about hanging out and playing with the grandkids. We love doing that together. So do you have the same values when it comes to fun? And then future is the last one. Do you have the same values as you think and dream about your future life together. You know, what is life going to be like? What do you want to do with your life? What is God's plan for your life? All of these things. So that's question number two. Do we have the same values? Question number three, has our relationship had enough time to develop? One of the first things I ask a couple when um, they come to me and say, we'd like to do premarital coaching or we have a wedding date, would you do our wedding? I always say, well, how long have you been dating? And if it's less than six months, I'm like, you know what? 
this is not a good idea, guys. You need to give this a lot more time. You see what happens when you're dating. There's two kind of dynamics going on here. One is that you are bonding together. You're forming your relationship. And it's kind of like you're gluing things together. You got to let the glue dry. You got to give it time. The other thing you're doing is that you're evaluating, is this person going to be um, the person I want to spend the rest of my life with? And so there's a little bit of that evaluation going on. And um, I'll talk about more of that as we go through the rest of these questions. But you've got to give it time. I would say at a minimum, you know, is is at least eight, nine, ten months, a year, maybe a couple of years. Beyond that, you've kind of got a good feel for what this person is like. You know, so I kind of like to see at least um, you know, a year or so in a, in a couple's relationship that they've been dating, anything less than that, any, if it's a matter of just a couple of months or maybe even just a few weeks, uh-uh, you do not know each other well enough to be making this kind of decision. So number three, has our relationship had enough time to develop? Number four, is this person responsible and can I trust them? Ooh, this is huge, guys. Is this person responsible? Now, they don't necessarily need to be established in their career, but do they go to work every day? Have have they been able to hold down a steady job? What's their employment history about? What do they plan on doing? If they're a student, how are they doing at school? Are they struggling? Are they barely passing their classes? Is it taking them eight years to get a four-year degree? See what I'm saying? You know, do they bounce from job to job? Okay, if you are my daughter or my son and you are about to marry someone who's always bouncing from one job to another, I would say, yeah, maybe you need to question, are they responsible? Do they follow through on what they say they're going to do? Which then leads to the second part of this question, can I trust him or her? Um, One of my favorite authors when it comes to relationships and marriage is John Gottman, and he makes a statement in one of his books that the number one thing that a woman looks for in a man is being trustworthy. Well, what is trust really all about? Its essence is basically this, that you do what you say you will do, that you make commitments, that you make promises, and then you follow through on them, that you are responsible, that you are going to be a good husband and a good provider, or you're going to be a good wife to take care of the home if if that's what you want to do, or you're going to be a good um, um, employee at your job, uh, you know, whatever it might be. It's, you know, these days it's not the husband goes to work and the wife stays home and manages the house. If you want to do that, I think that's a great way to raise a family. But if you want to have the double income kind of house, you know, still it's being responsible, paying your bills on time, managing your finances, um, not bringing in a lot of debt is kind of another issue when it comes to being responsible. Opening up and and, um, disclosing everything is another issue that builds trust or another way I should say to build trust. So question number four, is this person responsible and can I trust them? All right, question number five. Does this person have significant struggles, issues, or some would say character defects or character weaknesses? 
um, I'll never forget, there was a couple that came in for premarital and, um, you know, he confessed that he was six months sober. And I'm like, fantastic, six months, that's great. So I really commended him for being six months sober. And then I looked at his bride and I said, I wouldn't marry this guy until he has at least a year. Just my, just my opinion, just something to consider. Why? Because oftentimes uh, an addict or an alcoholic is going to get their life together because they want to show this person that they can. But then after they win that person, so to speak, or after the marriage then um, is established, they get married, then, you know, the, the, the need isn't there. I've already got the prize, so to speak. So sometimes then they go back to their old habits. And so you really want to make sure if there's addiction history, does that person have a good track record of overcoming that addiction? So certainly addictions, um, but, you know, things like, um, do they lie? Are, you know, are, do they have a problem telling the truth? That's a character weakness. Um, do they, um, are they always depressed? Do they have mental health issues. And I know everybody has issues to a certain extent, but you need to know kind of what is this person um, like. Going along with this, um, one of uh, issues and struggles is the tendency that some people have to rescue and fix others. In other words, that's how they love. And so that's called codependent, by the way, in the recovery world. And so if you have a lot of codependent tendencies, you really need to look at Am I trying to rescue or fix this person? Do they constantly need me to help them get out of a jam? If that's the case, you may not want to be married to them because you are going to have to do that for the rest of your life. You will live with their addiction the rest of your life. So before you get married, you want to see that they've conquered that or at least are um, have overcome that to a certain degree of success before you get married. That would be my suggestion for you. So that's question number five. Does this person have significant struggles, issues, or character weaknesses? Does she, he or she need my help to fix or rescue them? Now, like I said before, we all have mental health struggles, but are they significant? Are they overwhelming? You know, depression, anxiety, all of these kinds of things. And yes, you love them, you care for them, and you want to help them, but do you really want to be married to that person for the rest of your life? Um, but what can happen is that they can get some help and they can get to a place of um, at least managing or, or overcoming to a certain extent the struggle or the issue. And then um, you're, they're in a much better place to be loved and to return that love to you. That's what I'm trying to say. No one is perfect, okay? So, so I'm not suggesting look for someone with no issues or struggles because we all have that, even myself. Uh, but I'm not going to tell you what they are, at least not in this video. Okay, um, number six, do we bring out the best in each other? I love this question. Do we bring out the best? Because what you want to do is find someone that's going to help you become who you want to be. If you want to get closer to God, they're going to encourage you in that. They're going to go to church with you. They're going to help you grow closer to the Lord as they, as you read scripture, as you pray together, as you worship together, as you go to church, as you serve God together. Um, or are they the kind of person that is bringing up temptations that you don't want to deal with, you know, because of their struggles and their issues? And maybe you're a recovering alcoholic, you know, and is this person 
at that place where their recovery is still kind of fragile and and they're going to maybe cause you to fall back in your recovery. And so you don't want to have those temptations around. So maybe that's um, something to consider as well. Are they going to help you in your recovery if that's your history? Uh, if that's not your history, are they going to help you be a better um, you know, employee at work or be a better student or be a better son or daughter or connect to, um, you know, um, to be a better mom or dad to your kids if you have kids, um, to be a better husband or be a better wife? Are they going to encourage you and support you with your dreams and goals, okay? And, and the things we talked about, your future desires, you know? So if you have a desire to, you know, whatever, become a doctor, are they going to be a part of that journey and bring that out in you and help you along that? Do we bring out the best in each other? Question number seven, okay? This is huge uh, as well. Do our families and friends think we should get married? Or do they have concerns? Now, do uh, you know, we don't want to be a slave, you know, to the opinions of others. I get that. We want to make up our own minds. But here's a thing that we need to be aware of. There's such a thing as confirmation bias. And what that means is kind of the whole love is blind kind of concept. Confirmation bias is basically this, that you look for evidence that confirms what you already have concluded and already believed. So I believe this person is great for me and I want to get married. And then you look for the things that will confirm that and you ignore the things, right? Love is blind. You ignore the things that would contradict that. Now, where do family and friends come in? They're the ones who can come alongside and say, hey, honey, you know, hey, um, yeah, I really like this guy, but you know what? I, I just, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like he's a good fit for you. I, I'm not sure if he, if, if um, this is really the right choice for you. Why don't you consider it? Why don't you pray about it? Why don't you think about it? In fact, Pastor Kelly has this great video with 10 questions. Here's some questions. Anyways, you see what I'm saying? Your family and friends are going to come alongside you and they will be able if you are. So the key here, by the way, is to be open to their influence and to their um, opinion. Okay. And it's just an opinion. All right. But consider it. Be open to it. Do they have concerns? If they do have concerns, listen to those concerns. If they don't have concerns, then let their approval of your marriage be a confirmation for you that you really are on the right track, okay? Do, we, do our families and friends think we should get married or do they have concerns? Number eight, do we argue or disagree with each other frequently? Oh boy, I've seen this happen firsthand in my office. I'll be talking with a couple doing um, premarital, and they I remember this one couple, they got in a fight. They started arguing right there sitting in front of me over something really, you know, petty and dumb. And I'm like, whoa, time out here. If you guys are dealing with this kind of issue of disagreement and you're um, planning on getting married, you know what? Give this some more time. Figure that out. Work that out. What you want to do is get on the same page. Remember, as I've taught before in these videos, God's plan for us in marriage is this, that a man would leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So the whole goal of marriage is becoming one or growing closer together. 
But if you're on two different pages or you're going two different directions and you're constantly butting heads over things, fighting and arguing, then that would be a huge, huge red flag saying maybe this isn't the right person for you. Find someone that is you are in a lot more agreement with initially because what you're going to see in your dating relationship is only going to get worse in your married relationship. So that's question number eight. Question number nine, two more. Do I have significant doubts about getting married to this person? Do I have significant doubts? Now, is getting married a... Um, uh, a, a, a risky decision. Absolutely it is because you want to marry someone that you're going to spend the rest of your life. It's a huge decision. And are, are you going to have some thoughts that are going to, to cause you to be afraid and to be cautious? Yes. And those are good thoughts. Okay. You want to think this through. You want to look at this and evaluate it rationally. You won't, don't want this to be a quick decision or an emotional decision. That's why you need to get input of family and friends in your church leader. Um, you need to give it time. You need to really um, let consider this um, over an extended period of time. Not forever, but you know, like I said earlier, a year or so. Now, at the end of that time, do you still have some significant doubts? I'm not really sure this is going to work. I want to encourage you to listen to those doubts. Yes, the devil does attack us with fear to keep us from missing out on God's best. But here's what the scripture says in Isaiah chapter 55, that you will be led forth in peace. In other words, when you pray about it and say, God, is this your plan for my life? If there's an overwhelming sense of fear and doubt, that could be God's way of saying, don't do it. When God is in it, then there's peace. That's, how, that's what the scripture says. There's going to be a peace. And you know that, yeah, this is what God has for me. So wait for that. Then number 10, very similar to what I've um, already spoken about. So number nine, just to review, do I have significant doubts about getting married to this person? And let me highlight the word significant, not just a minor doubt, but a significant doubt. And if so, you need to listen to that. Number 10 is this, is this person God's best for me? Now, as I said earlier, there are no perfect people. There's not just one person who is your soulmate. But I do believe this, that as we commit our lives to God, as we surrender our, our lives to him through Jesus Christ and, and grow in our relationship because of what Jesus did when he died on the cross and rose again so that we could be forgiven of our sins and have that relationship with God, we surrender our lives to God and we ask him to lead us to his best. He has a plan for your life. He wants to bless you. He wants to use you to be a blessing. And let me tell you that divorce court is not part of his plan, okay? He wants you to avoid that. He wants you, now he'll be with you if you have to go through that, but that is not his best. He wants you to find someone that is his best when I was single and I, I broke up with this one girl and I remember a friend of mine asking me, was she God's best for you? And I said, no, I don't think so. And so we, we ended our relationship. A year later, I met another person and I said, God, I'm asking you to give me your best. 
is carry your best for me. And I sense God say yes. In fact, before I proposed, I fasted and prayed for an entire week because I wanted to be sure that this person, Carrie Fielding, was God's best for me. And I sensed that she was. Well, this September, we will be celebrating 35 years together. So I think I made a good choice. (laughs) I think she made a good choice. Anyways, has it been perfect? No. Have we struggled? Yes. That's another video. And I'll tell you that story some other time. But my point is this, go through these 10 questions, share this with someone else and let them think about it and and, um, really evaluate, am I making just an emotional decision that I could regret later? And let God lead you to his best. Not, I'm convinced too, by the way, that not being married is better than being married to the wrong person, okay? So, yeah, well, I don't want to be lonely. Okay, well, then get involved at church, you know, and, and build some friendships so loneliness isn't the need in your life. You know, find contentment as a single. Find the ministry that God has for you and the friendships and the community that you need to get involved in. Um, and if you so that if you're lonely, uh, get that need met because God will put you in significant relationships that are not a married relationship. And then when your heart is filled with love and you're able to then give love to someone else, God will lead you to that perfect, to that right person, to his best for you, not perfect person, but his, that person that he has for you. And he will bless your marriage because you're going to avoid a lot of heartache because you're going to be much more in sync going into it than trying to make something happen once you're in that married relationship. So I hope this was helpful. I hope you enjoyed it. Like I said, share it with some other people because I hope it will help them as well. Um, I've got a lot more free resources on my website, turnitup.coach. You can get my book there. Um, uh, You know, what else do I want to tell you? Anyways, I think that's it for now. May God bless you and may God bless you with his best. That's it for now. I'm Kelly Dupay, pastor, police chaplain, marriage coach, and author of the book, Turn It Up, How to Have the Lifelong Marriage That You Really Want. God bless. Hey everybody, it's Kelly, and thank you for listening to this episode of my podcast. If there's anything else I can do for you, please reach out to me at my website, which is turnitup.coach. There you'll find lots of other free marriage and relationship resources. Also, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please follow, rate, and review this show so that I can let other people know about it as well. It really, really helps, and I would love to hear your thoughts and uh, see how you review it. So thank you very much in advance for following, rating, and reviewing this podcast. Lastly, I have a free Facebook group called Turn It Up, a group about relationships and marriage, and I'd love to have you join us. So look us up on Facebook and uh, apply to join us, and I'll be glad to accept you. Thanks for listening again. God bless you.